0: Crimson Sky Media. Hi, welcome back to Crimson Sky Media Podcast. My name is Kenny, and um, we're starting off March the 8th here with um, recording this episode uh, back to doing the Monday release schedule, which is always great uh, to get it back to that consistent sort of delivery. Uh, I've been really busy, actually. A lot of things have been happening. That's just the way that the gaming industry goes. You know, it's just uh, a series of peaks and valleys in terms of activity. Uh, and recently, we've seen quite a peak of activity. I think that as we're entering um, the the latter half of Q1, uh, we're getting a lot of the stuff that is promised into 2020. You know, usually January, February for media in general, like movies and whatnot, is pretty slow. You know, that's not generally when they release their big hitters. So as we get a little bit closer towards the end of March, a little bit early into April here, um, we're going to see just an influx of game releases leading into summer. We're gonna get more blockbusters and just rev up all the way into November with the new consoles and um, the swan songs of uh, 8th gen. So um, yeah, so like I said, really busy recently. Um, each episode we talk about what I've been playing and uh, hopefully, you know, if you wanna send me anything, let me know what you've been playing. Love to try them out or if I have, put my thoughts onto it. Uh, so they actually, one of the things I wanted to talk about is actually kind of a news story, but it's what I've been playing. Uh, Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary was recently added to the Master Chief Collection, uh, seemingly just overnight. Uh, Now, they talked about it being ready, and they had it in flights for a little bit, but they didn't talk about a release date. They just suddenly said, hey, um, tomorrow we might be doing something with Master Chief Collection as an update. And then that update was, um, among little things here and there that were tweaked, uh, dropping uh, Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary into the Master Chief Collection. Um, So I've been playing that pretty profusely um, with my wife. We um, like to play it co-op a lot, and it's a lot of fun, I mean, just to go through it and get all the achievements and everything. I think Halo is just one of those games where I can max it out all the way, and uh, even if I do that afterwards, like the multiplayer and just going through the campaigns every so often, like every few months to a year, um, you know, it's it's a really delightful experience. Um, we, we previously had it on the Xbox One, uh, and we beat Every game on Legendary. Um, Even Reach, we had to just pop that one back in, but that one was a little bit easier. It's actually one of the shorter campaigns, believe it or not, and a little bit more forgiving. You know, once you go through Halo 2's Legendary campaign, which Legendary is the hardest difficulty that's available for Halo, uh, and it varies drastically between games, Halo 2 being the hardest, uh, you know, everything is just sort of easy after that. And because you've been sort of conditioned to so efficient I suppose with the way that you play the game going forward everything else was just a cakewalk and then you kind of miss the the brutal difficulty because it created memories and when you're playing the same uh, what should be two or three minute sequence of a game uh, for almost an hour you begin to really see all the little details and learn the map and which AI goes where and what enemies spawn and how they behave, and you know, it's really a, an interesting experience. Even not just from a gameplay perspective, but just from like a design perspective. Uh, so I definitely recommend it. I know a lot of people with Halo. I wouldn't say that you love it or hate it, uh, but it's somewhere in that category. Uh, usually, the people I talk to either love Halo and they remember it fondly. They 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 have the Master Chief Collection, even if they don't touch it too often. Um, they admit that they really enjoyed each category. Um, never really met anyone that. You know, just played like Halo Two and stopped there. Usually, the anticipation for Three, and then um, the the other releases. I guess you could say ODST and Reach, but really, just kind of for coming back and letting people believe that it was coming back again. After that, uh, just sort of died off. That's kind of the sad story of Halo. It just um, with the trilogy, it hit hard for everybody, and then ODST kind of hit a little bit less was still played to a large degree by people and then reach was um it wasn't uh a flop at all but it was very polarizing to a lot of people and so as such uh with halo 4 uh saying coming back they, they really drove home um the marketing for 4 i mean substantially and it was solid um, i'd say all around even though it had its issues as a halo game uh, it was definitely a good game regardless right Um, and a lot of people enjoyed it for what it was i think that people who are a little bit more analytical and fans of halo would disagree Um, i'd kind of be in that category but i'm not going to say outright that nobody enjoyed it Uh, and if you're not a halo fan and played four uh, and as an extension five you're probably going to have no context and think that they're really fine games that's kind of where that argument sort of uh, has a divide for me because uh, it's it's kind of funny among my friends we have this joke because I hate the argument of, uh, like in a franchise, right? A game will release that's uh, much different than its predecessors and people will say, it's a good game, it's not just not a good Halo game or it's just not a good Gears of War game, you know? And, well, no, because it's a follow-up to those games, so it's immediately being held... Uh, to its predecessors, and if it's worse than them, then that affects the quality of the game for me. Um, now, again, it gets really in- intricate with that conversation, but that's basically the gist of it. However, the exception, I guess you could say, is that if you haven't even played the earlier games and you play it, um, yeah, it's, it could be a fun game. I think 4 and 5 would probably appeal to a lot of people, but there's also foundations of Halo's gameplay that extend into 4 and 5, so it would also be, I would imagine little polarizing for newcomers as well Um, things like the time to kill the movement what you can do uh, when you interact like the three pillars like of halo which if you don't know uh, the meta has always been surrounded around three things which is melee shooting and grenades Um, the only other thing that they tried to mix in is like armor abilities and they still do that Um, but i think that the purest form of halo is three And um, The armor abilities in it were pretty unintrusive for the most part. Uh, A lot of people would say Halo 2. A lot of people would even, to a lesser degree, but say Halo 1. Um, But 3 was clearly where they peaked. They understood what they wanted to do. It was the most polished version of that sort of arena-influenced game. And um, I'd probably recommend to anyone who wants to play a really good Halo game for the first time. um, If you can't go back to Halo 1 and 2 for whatever reason, uh, then 3 is probably the best one in the franchise. And then I will just kind of leave it at there. Recommend playing 1 and 2, but 3 is the best one. Um, so we've been just going crazy at it. Um, right now we're trying to do the par time run, which is essentially just beating certain levels under a certain amount of time. Uh, and then I'm going to move on to par score, which is a little bit more tricky, because score is, um, you know, you have to get a certain amount of kills, you have to get a certain amount of, um, well, prevent a certain amount of deaths. Uh, because essentially, if you die too many times, which is riskier with two people, but also higher risk, higher reward, you can also get more points with another person. Uh, then the, the score cuts off and you can't earn any more points, but you can continue to lose points by dying, team killing, killing friendly AI, all that stuff. So it's really a little bit harder. Easier to blow through a game on easy beating missions in under 10 minutes uh, than it is to try to beat a high score on higher difficulties. Um, so that's really what I've been just caught up in. I have been playing more Boneworks and then, of course, Red Dead Redemption 2, which is getting a little bit worse with hackers, uh, admittedly. Not like griefers, but just weird things. Like I was playing Red Dead 2 online, and uh, I'm just standing there, and then suddenly every time I spawn, uh, like 30 in, like invincible NPCs um, would just spawn on top of me and start shooting at me. And uh, there's just stuff like that, and when that happens you can just quit the server and join another one. I don't think it's a huge inconvenience, but it's an inconvenience nonetheless, and uh, hopefully Rockstar cracks down on that. I think that what they're busy with is just maintaining it, And uh, in, instead of uh, frequent smaller updates, what they tend to do is release giant, uh, well I guess you could say updates, but really more or less patches with the content that comes out when they're done doing that why do they do that i don't know uh, but that's just rockstar for you they're not really going to communicate exactly what their motives are with the way that they do things and you know uh, i don't really care too much i think that it's still in a great state i think that it's obviously a high quality game so little things like that don't bug me as much some others will take it religiously and to that i say calm down um other than that, let's go ahead and we'll go into the uh, the news articles that have been kind of coming up recently. Half Life Alex uh, has been getting a lot of different gameplay and commentary and things like that. Um, I know Valve has been talking about it and really beefing it up. Um, the index, essentially, it's kind of um, undetermined, but obviously, I would say that it's probably a factor, uh, whether it be a small one or a large one, that the coronavirus. Um, is affecting the production of the um, the headsets so they're they're gonna release a, another batch of headsets and they were telling people that it's probably gonna go like immediately uh, like I said and you should um, you should get it pre-ordered and if you can't then tough luck the next batch won't be out for a while is basically what they're saying. I think that they should probably at this point outsource a lot of their uh, work. To other companies Um, but again with the coronavirus scare um, it's not easy to do that because it can live on surfaces for a long time and obviously as um, you know head of a company like that and also just being careful about spreading things you don't want people in a factory that you don't particularly own yourself working on things because there's a potential that one person may come in uh, due to different health regulations or rules under that company uh, get their hands all over machinery or equipment that gets on the index gets shipped to people and you know the rest uh, So it's understandable. It's just a shame and somewhat ironic that it's happening right around the time that Half-Life Alex is starting to come up We're getting the coronavirus scare that just shoots up in intensity like ten times every day um, so Fli LX, I'll, I'll definitely take a look at it. But I'm really happy that I got my Rift S. And just so you know, folks, um, the Oculus still has a lot of headsets out there. And I'd probably recommend at this point, um, you know, if you haven't gotten an Index and you're a little bit doubtful about getting one, um, I honestly I'd probably hang on a little bit longer at this point. If you're if you're one of those people that really need a Valve Index, um, you know, wait a week or two. You know, it's it's not coming. Anytime soon, you can go to places like Best Buy and whatnot and get a Rift S. Um, even though they're in short supply usually, you could find one around. You know, if you really want one. Um, but if you're in a r- more rural area, um, get ready, get ready to hit that purchase button because as soon as we get closer to the release date, which I believe is March twenty eighth, might be March twenty third, I think, but it's I know it's in the latter half of March. Um, every single headset is going to start getting uh, sold out. So. Uh, but otherwise, um, the gaming content besides the just general Half-Life Alex commentary and you know Valve talking about some of their design decisions, uh, Black Mesa finally hit 1.0. So if you're unfamiliar with it, uh, Black Mesa is a, it's titled after Half-Life One's um, setting, which is a research facility called Black Mesa. Uh, Half-Life of course came out for PC exclusively in 1998, and you know a lot of people don't have the means or rather they just don't have the patience is a better word for it they have the means uh, to get back and play half-life just in its own um, there was a port to half-life source uh, which is essentially just they ported over to the source engine which was used for pretty much every single valve game up until now where they're switching to source 2 so that includes games like half-life 2 counter-strike source counter-strike global offensive left 4 dead portal 1 and 2 um, even dota everything was on source. So, um, but it was less of a real port, and really all it did was just essentially make the water look a little bit prettier, and that's about it, everything else was exactly the same. So a group of modders took it amongst themselves uh, to essentially build up their own fully from the ground up uh, including like voice line recordings, um, sound effects recordings, everything, um, environments from the source engine Uh, and this started back in 2005 Uh, so it just today um well rather about a week ago but it just now uh, had come out relatively speaking uh, fully finished it's done Uh, everything's good to go so if you have 20 bucks you haven't played the first half-life and you're you don't really have the patience for going through the first one um, it's there it's available and it's a fantastic game it's a fantastic remake uh, they definitely changed things up in terms of the, the way the gameplay feels to feel a little bit more contemporary. Now, if you're like me, I'd probably recommend, like if you're a purist, that to go back and play it because it's, it's clearly a unique identity. I think the history behind Half-Life coming out in 98 and the way that it did uh, affect gaming is, is important to see what people saw back in 98. And it's still, I mean, it still ages really well. Um, so if, if, you, if you are really versed in, in gaming and you have a PC and you got time, I'd probably recommend going back and just, I mean, it's only like, it's like five, ten bucks. Um, Valve puts their games on sale all the time on Steam and it's totally worth the money. In fact, I'd recommend playing through that uh, and then going through Black Mesa so you can see some of the changes that they made because they did change some of the, the settings uh, and whatnot to be a little bit better in terms of flow. Uh, as well as like Zen, which is the essentially the second half of the game takes place um, in like a space sort of environment without going into any spoilers or anything. It's 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 a very strange sort of way that they uh, mess with the level design a little bit and experimented. And a lot of people say that it dropped off for them at that point. Um, I think it's a little bit of a bad rap, but I tend to agree with that. It is a little different. Um, so they they alter that quite intensely uh, now for the better, uh, but again. It is content that has been altered or changed, so if you're wanting to see what the game was like actually in its entirety, it's there for you. Just don't get Half-Life Source because you're doing yourself an injustice uh, when you could just get Half-Life. Nothing's really changed too much. Um, But I'm really excited that that's happening. The um, other news article, which is the last in terms of the news that I wanted to talk about was Amnesia Rebirth. Uh, So Amnesia is essentially Uh, If you haven't heard of it, which is kind of hard to believe, I mean, if you're listening to a podcast that's this small and it's um, about gaming exclusively, for the most part, um, then you've probably played Amnesia the Dark Descent, uh, which I believe came out around 2010, sometime around that period, if not 2010, probably 2009, but I'm fairly certain it was 2010. And it's a, um, you could argue survival horror is more or less just a horror experience. Uh, You don't get guns, you don't get weapons or anything. Um, I would say... Just to define it, it was a first-person puzzle horror game, uh, and you essentially played someone with amnesia. There's trying to like put the puzzles together of what happened in this old kind of creaky, creepy castle, uh, and there's these monsters there and everything. He's kind of going a little bit crazy. so He's getting a little bit delusional and seeing things. Um, and it's a fantastic experience. Now, at at first glance, uh, if that was the only game they made, which is Frictional Games, the developers that made Amnesia. Uh, I would say i wouldn't be as excited for amnesia rebirth which is the um, new game that's going to be coming out and uh looks like autumn of 2020 is what they say so i can probably anticipate toward the end of the year it might get delayed into like um november uh, maybe 2021 it just seems like basically any game just gets delayed all the time so it's good to go into it expecting it but autumn 2020 that's what they put in the trailer um so the games in between Amnesia and Amnesia Rebirth, and the reason that I bring up why it's important that uh, I would be less excited if it hadn't come out, uh, is a game called Soma. Uh, so this game, I'm pretty sure it came out around, around 2016, and it was uh, it was more of a sci-fi horror puzzle game, first person, of course. That they have this this um, sort of style of gameplay that they just kind of nailed down with Amnesia: The Dark Descent, and they're probably going to continue doing that with Amnesia Rebirth, but it totally changed the way that I saw Frictional Games and what they're capable of. Basically, what Frictional Games was before Amnesia the Dark Descent, which... Just to put it bluntly as a preface, Amnesia the Dark Descent was a stroke of luck. Uh, They got really lucky with... They just landed something that just worked, and they're sticking with it, and they're improving upon it, which is great. Sometimes you have to feel around something to get the, the flow of it. Before that, it was a ton of just really rough around the edges, not too appealing games, um, which were very similar in the way that they are built uh, from a fundamental gameplay perspective, but it's just very mediocre. The reason you haven't really heard of any of them is because they weren't very good, Uh, and then they came out with Amnesia the Dark Descent and it just took off. And from there, they realized what they needed to do, which is smart and they're just continuing to essentially do those types of games usually pretty far apart. Um, another developer took on an Amnesia game, uh, Machine for Pigs, uh, which was kind of like... Uh, I don't know how to explain it. It was sort of a spin-off to my knowledge. I have it. I haven't touched it. the The reception was pretty mediocre and I it's like it like with halo right it, when bungie if if they were to outsource uh, another halo game to a different developer uh like a mainstream type halo like first person shooter um i don't think i'd probably be interested as much in playing it um i think i probably would for analytical purposes but that's just the way that i am especially since the reception was so poor with amnesia's a machine for pigs those types of games like They're not something I wouldn't play or hate, necessarily, but they're on the back burner, and they're not top priority. Um, So Soma was... uh, The reason that Soma is such a good game is it fully understood how to uh, tell a narrative in the way that it was doing things. I think with Amnesia's The Dark Descent, they did a good job, but with Soma, um, they were able to really understand kind of what they're doing with things. It was no longer sort of experimenting. Uh, and now they buckled down and um, just got some really good writers in the room to create a really good narrative experience complemented by a presentation from the game developers that was crafted visually uh, that tells a really great story. And the reason why I'm being really ambiguous about this, and I'm just kind of saying SOMA, is because it's um, it's a very, very intense narrative, and that's basically all the game is. Now, whether a game is good or not, based on the, um, the gameplay, is, is an argument in and of itself. But I think that just as an experience in general that's only available as video games, I say that then it is a very good game uh, and you should definitely give it a try. It talks a lot about sort of identity and perspective and it goes into certain subjects of existentialism, uh, about like who we are as an identity and everything, like in our own selves, our consciousness. Um, and that sounds really deep and kind of narcissistic, but, um, I'm telling you, if you have the time to play it, it's probably one of the best horror games ever made (laughs) just from a, from pure storytelling perspective. Um, I think there's a lot more games that could go into that category, but that is definitely up there in terms of what you need to play. Solidified itself as an instant classic. Is it a masterpiece? No, I, I don't think so. A lot of people do. And if you look at the Steam review page or just Metacritic and all those other things, a lot of people, you'll hear the word masterpiece uh, echoed quite a bit. Uh, and I appreciate that people love that game so much because I really do think it's really good. But if the story was worse, I don't think that there's really much else in terms of redeeming factors that you could probably go back to and say, yeah, I'm going I'm to replay that game because, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, you interact with objects. You may have played them and you may solve a few puzzles. That's all the gameplay is. Um, The term walking simulator is used often with these types of games. I don't think that it's necessarily just a walking simulator, but I I can see where that that argument can be made. Uh, So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, If you're looking for something that's uh, a little bit more dynamic in terms of how you play the game, a little bit more rewarding based on the choices that you make, Soma isn't for you. But if you're into gaming as storytelling, device and you like a really well-crafted world uh, with something with very minimal glitches it's pretty polished, uh, then highly, highly recommend Soma. Uh, so that's basically the bulk of it. Um, there's some other stuff that I've kind of been dabbling around in. Um, games like uh, Mafia 2 and um, I don't know. Bioshock 2. I'm, I'm kind of like revisiting some nostalgic games and it can be pretty fun. But you know, the the, the main brunt of what my enjoyment has been has been Halo CE and uh, going in and just trying to finish Boneworks. Um, now just to talk about Boneworks for a minute, because I think that it's, it's an interesting game, honestly. I, I think that um, as a VR player, Player now, I guess you could call me uh, when you're doing these types of um, Experiences it, it's kind of a roller coaster in itself, but Specifically with bone works. It starts off really really strong Especially if it's kind of an early VR purchase for you the physics and everything are really impressive then you begin to get used to it and you see some of the weird quirks that it has in terms of the physics and what guns work better um, for example like the assault rifles and um, there's just this weird glitch in the game i don't know like i know it's sort of an independent developer but if you're shooting like a two-handed weapon the game has difficulty understanding when you want to stop shooting due to the recoil and stuff i know i've touched on that in one of the other episodes but basically it just causes this weird problem where your hands get stuck and so then you, you anyway this there's all these little different things like that and you kind of figure out what works the best and how to go through it but you're going to start out like Approaching things really slowly uh, and kind of interacting with things kind of oddly kind of like, okay, what's this? How do I do this? Can I climb this? Um, But then you'll find yourself um, just immediately after like I'd say maybe 10 15 hours just it's it's almost like uh, I don't know like a bicycle, you know You figure it out and then you're just like doing all these sweet tricks and writing really nice and it's kind of show-offy You know, you know the things that you're doing probably a lot of other people wouldn't really be able to do as well Um, So definitely really fun. Um, Psychonauts, I'm trying to finish that as well and get the 100% on it, but it's a little bit more tricky uh, because, again, there's all these different nostalgic experiences that I'm trying to dip back into, um, but with a full-time job, it's hard to find the time. Um, I'm actually planning a trip to... um, Well, I'm trying to see if I can get a trip to Colorado figured out and... um, Seeing if I could get like a friend to come with me and everything we can have a grand old time so during that time um, I'm gonna try to see if I can record this is mm-hmm. gonna be like later into April um, but I'm gonna see if I can try to record an episode to get it on time and i, I know I can schedule the episode to release, but just be aware that some of the subject matter and and what I'm talking about maybe. tad outdated i think that generally the things that i talk about like i'll touch on the news a little bit but i usually go into the older news articles and uh uh, games that i've been playing a little bit more because i think that's a little bit more of what i'm about the news is of course interesting but the issue with the news is that it's really just kind of speculation with that point you know and just kind of your opinion on like if like blizzard screws up again i can say oh blizzard screwed up what a shame, uh blizzard, and all this other stuff and and you kind of already echo my sentiments, so I think the the thing I get the most joy out of is just talking about my thoughts about the games that i've been playing uh, and and not really reviewing them on the podcast, but just giving like my perspective on my experience with it, what my thoughts are of the franchise and whatnot so <clears throat> one of the um, one of the goals here in the near future uh, is going to be essentially to just go through my Steam library from top to bottom. I know that's like an old cliche sort of goal that people have um, with Steam. Uh, it's just one of the challenges to go from top to bottom and talk about those games. Um, but I've been thinking about it um, additionally with the YouTube channel and everything which I, I essentially just used my older YouTube channel and just tweaked it a little bit and then hid some of the playlists that would be sort of a more <laughs> personal playlist. Like I have certain playlists on there that I had were for like public freakouts or like on reddit like i put in a bunch of um, r slash cringe videos when r slash cringe was in its golden age and popping out some really good content and links Um, i made certain playlists like that they weren't really too relevant so i just kind of put those in private Um, and then i think people can still see one of my comedy videos playlists which is just videos i think are kind of funny and it's one of the newer ones too so it's not really stacked too high um and that's that's something that I'm really going to try to be working on in the near future because I think with the playlist, the the whole goal was to get this thing figured out in terms of um, you know what I'm gonna be doing, how long each episode is generally going to be, which I found is typically around thirty minutes or so on average, uh, and then work because I have the ebb and flow of the playlist then into the YouTube videos and whatnot because I think that with movies and movie editing and kind of stuff like that that's something I'm really into always have been and uh, I love talking about movies too but there's just you know you can't really start a discussion with that uh, in a podcast like this unless I go see a movie but because there's so little movies coming out in theaters that I'm particularly interested in you're never going to hear it so it's kind of a waste just to bring it up very briefly once in the blue moon Um, yeah so with that being said I think that the effort and the the I guess the idea is there, you know? Um, Everything's there except for the tools to use. And because I'm a little bit unfamiliar with video editing in that regard of like which software would be the best, I'm kind of just looking around. Um, I think that um, uh, I recently took a loan out of my 401k, which if you're unfamiliar with what that is, it's a little bit different than getting a loan from like a bank, right? Like you choose the amount as low as like $60 up to like thousands and then you essentially just put that money back into your 401k with accrued interest. Um, like a set amount, um, you choose like the, the rules essentially. And because it's your your own money that you're taking out and then putting back in, it's almost immediately approved, which it was. And then, um, you know, the rules of putting it back in are a little bit more loose, you know, because again, it's sort of your money. So (laughs) it's not really like they're, they're loaning you much of anything. Um, so anyway, I took some money out of that, and that's going to essentially help out with um, little things. I wanted to put some of that also toward the um, the podcast, so what I'm looking at is perhaps obviously the mitigation of some of the Echo, as well as um, putting in some effort to get a good recording software, and I'm dabbling around with sort of the reviews and reputations of certain ones. I think Sony Vegas pro is probably what i'm leaning towards because i know for like decades people have used that now at this point uh, and it's done pretty well um but other than that like there's adobe but the issue with adobe is it's a, it's a subscription-based uh service so because we're dipping our toes in this a little bit i don't want to subscribe to anything because well you know if it if i'm not working work out too well with it i don't want to uh Keep paying for it, and if it does work out very well, and it's something that is actually getting quite a bit of perhaps revenue of some sort, where it can you know be something that I can use that money towards to continue to pay for the editing tools, uh, and Adobe is ultimately better, you know, all these factors, then I would get it. Um, But you know, if like no one's watching the videos, um, I'll still make them, but I don't want to pay monthly for it out of my own pocket because life has already quite a bit of expenses as it is when you're 24. Let me tell you, so. That's just kind of an update on the situation of things, too. Um, I'm really excited going into March. Like I said, things are going to pick up quite a bit with sort of what's releasing and what's coming out and uh, things that I'm actually like interested in. Um, I know like Near Automata went on sale recently, so um, that's great. We hit an all-time low for that. Uh, seeing that game begin to dip in terms of price is always nice because I wanted to get into it uh, and play it not twice but thrice. So I wanted to make a rhyme out of that. There you go. I'm going to go ahead and wrap the podcast up here now with that pleasant rhyme for you guys, and I'll follow up next week, and we'll definitely go into a bunch of sort of different things that are going to be happening uh, this week, so I'm really excited about that, Uh, and if you, again, have any questions, uh, concerns, (laughs) comments, all that jazz, uh, definitely drop me a message on um, Anchor, uh, which, by the way, I almost forgot. I do need to tell you guys. Um, the podcast is now available across a plethora of different services. Okay, so we have Spotify, we have Anchor, of course, which is the service that allows me to make this podcast for free. Really great service and uh, not even a plug, but just a personal recommendation. You really ought to check them out. Um, I think that even if you have nothing to talk about, you just kind of want to speak your mind for 30 minutes a week or what have you, um, the means are there. Uh, you can even use the dang thing on your phone, okay? And I don't think people are really too touchy about uh, sound quality necessarily, as long as it's not, like, um, you know, god-awful or anything. Uh, but, yep, so those two services, of course, but it's also gone onto to uh, Google Podcasts, um, <laughs> like Go Podcasts or something. I just, I, it just immediately, like, I guess because I've been doing it a little bit more consistently and there's some listeners to it, um, Anchor has been ex- expanding it, and they do this automatically for you. So that it's just available for everybody Um, I don't think it's available on Apple, on iTunes, uh, their podcast section, so I'm sorry about that. Hopefully I can get that worked out or figured out and maybe they can add it on there in the future. Uh, But in the meantime, this is probably the best place is I'd probably recommend Spotify if you can't listen to it on the Anchor. uh, because Spotify is a little bit more flexible in terms of where you can go and listen to things. Uh, That's where I personally listen to a lot of the Anchor podcasts that are put onto uh, Spotify is on that service. However, I would encourage you to check out Anchor. Uh, and look at a lot of the tools and things that they have because i think it's really neat they also offer incentive stuff too like if you put in advertisements you can get paid for the podcast the more people that listen to it Uh, and i think that's really cool not something i'm really too interested in i don't want people to listen to that honestly honestly i don't want people to listen to that garbage uh, even even without the choice of doing it uh, because this podcast is really bare bones and i want you know, if people want to listen to me talk, I don't want to flood them with all of these advertisements. So I think the YouTube channel, you know, if obviously YouTube, Google and everything like they, um, uh, in order to get monetized, you have to have ads. And I think that um, at that point, if that does well, that's something I'd be interested in because, um, you know, a lot of people have like the YouTube premium. Um, I, I'm not saying to do this, but I have ad block on desktop YouTube anyway, too. So uh, there's ways around it. thanks again guys really appreciate you listening in i'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up edit it up a little bit it may not drop monday morning i'm gonna try um but i will for sure get it out by the end of monday so hopefully then you're listening you had a great weekend and i will catch you later